Hey there, welcome to the Jobs for Women podcast, where we empower and uplift women to succeed and thrive in their professional life whilst looking after their well-being. In this podcast, we'll be discussing the issues and challenges faced by women in the workplace with particular focus on gender equality. We believe that every woman deserves the opportunity to excel in her career regardless of her gender, and we're committed to helping women break through the barriers that hold them back. Join us every week as we hear from experts, share stories and give advice. We've got an incredible community of women who support and encourage each other and we're so happy that you are here. Let's break down the gender barriers and create a more equitable and inclusive workplace for all. The whole point we're here is to hear from our panel to share our experiences and to have a conversation about how we can make the workplace more inclusive, more equitable. Um, and we, we are talking about women today, but we don't have to just focus on the gender element. We're going to talk about race as well. Obviously, that was uh, dictated in in the event for today. So my name is Zoe Hayden-Jones, the Director of Jobs for Women. I am so excited to bring this panel to you today. We have M Ledger Executive product manager from the BBC, Emma Wright, tech business analyst, JP Morgan, and Yasmin Donado, head of Connected Technology Academy at KPMG. So um, I'm gonna pin them all at some point, but you'll be you'll definitely be uh, seeing them and hearing from them. And as I said, um, you can always drop questions. If you've got specific questions for anyone on the panel, you can just pop their name in. So let's get going. I To begin with, I just wanted to very quickly just talk to you about what Jobs for Women is. So we are a business to consumer and a business to business organization. So at the heart of Jobs for Women is our community of women. We've got a podcast, weekly podcast. We have a free careers and wellbeing membership. Um, we've got a jobs board and we run free monthly masterclasses with global experts and that's open to women. If you're in the membership, you can join us. Our next one is all about confidence. And then very soon we're launching our networking and mentorship schemes within the uh, free community. What we do with businesses is we have the uh, place, a jobs board for you to advertise jobs roles. We work with companies to be recognized as an organization that supports women. We've got an endorsement program coming in the future. We've got podcast sponsorship, email marketing, loads of different advertising ways to reach uh, our community of women. And of course, access to this talent pool uh, of women from 16 to 65. We work a lot with colleges and unis, which we're really excited about. And then I just want to explain a little bit just for about three minutes, because I did test how long it took, because I don't want to talk for too long, about my why. Why are we here? Why did I set up jobs for women? So I am from Leeds originally. I grew up in Leeds, surrounded by an incredible family, super supportive, amazing parents. My two brothers, they were all right. You know, it was it was all good. I decided to stay in Leeds, went to uni, studied public relations. Um, I got my first big break in for an internship year when I headed off to London. I got a job at Warner Brothers and I was literally living the dream. I secured the highest paid PR internship. Um, I relocated with my best mate. And I worked super hard that year. It's always been a core value of mine. Um, and I loved being part of the glitz, the glamour, red carpet. You know, I worked a lot of hours, but it was worth it. Headed back after uni to my uh, to do my final year. Um, and then upon graduating, I got a job at Channel 4, which was another dream job. I was later headhunted by the head of Harry Potter publicity and Daniel Radcliffe's PR. And I worked in her brand new PR agency. And as much as I loved what I did at the time, I always knew I wanted to have a family at some point. So off I went traveling with my now then with my now husband, Rich. And when I returned, I was engaged. I was happily planning the wedding. And I literally thought I would slot back in to this world of PR in London. I then went on to get my another dream job in a, in a huge international TV and film company. And that's when things for me started to change. 
I felt uncomfortable in my skin at work. I was part of this small team where my line manager didn't believe or didn't share my belief that you could be a woman, be successful and be a parent at some point. And I was starting to witness, you know, everything that we we all, we see now and everything that we talk about at Jobs for Women that women weren't as visible as men at senior management. And I just remember thinking, I can't do this job and have a baby someday, this is impossible. And I always felt conflicted that I'd be throwing away um, what I'd worked so hard for. Um, my line manager used to frequently say, don't have a baby, get a dog. When we used to be at work drinks, it was um, very eye-opening. And what I witnessed wasn't just related to me. There was a woman in the organization who I remember worked so many hours, so hard, great at a job, asked to leave two days early to pick up her kids. It was like 15 minutes earlier and she was met with like disapproving looks like, no, why would you go and do that? And that's when the self-doubt started to creep in. I began to question putting off the age in which I should have kids. Should I put it off? Should I work longer? I felt like I had to fit into the mold of what the organization wanted me to be. Then it came to a head in 2015. I had a miscarriage. I went through a, a spell of severe depression. I took time off work, but I did go back. It was mentally and emotionally challenging, but I got back. I worked hard. I got back into this organizational way of working. Finally got pregnant again. Um, and in the summer, went to some work drinks, obviously early stages of pregnancy and a very awkward moment occurred a moment that i would not wish on any woman in any work setting or organization uh, we were met in this glitzy bar um with a tray of pims and i remember thinking oh no i'm gonna have to hide that you know i can't have alcohol um again i think this would change now this was like 10 years ago or so and i went off to the bar to ask for a mocktail and when i got back to uh the table where my boss was i sat with my mocktail and she leant across with her straw, put her straw in my drink, knowing that it was non-alcoholic, took a sip. And we shared a moment, we shared a look where it was her way of telling me that she knew I was pregnant. And I've never felt so small, so insignificant, undervalued and just rubbish in that moment. Because obviously I wanted to keep it a secret. The pregnancy went well, which is brilliant. Then we relocated back to Leeds and all of these experiences have always been within me this um you know can we find the balance can we be a mom can we be a career can we have the successful career and i'd bought the domain for jobs for women years before and i kept ticking over in my mind and i kept thinking i want to help women and i want organizations to support women so other people don't experience what i went through and that women don't have to give up their career if they desire to have a family or wherever they want to go or if they want to be leaders. So I got to work creating my vision whilst being a mum, the juggle was real. I worked in a local yoga studio and my second experience of being pregnant was completely different. So I rewrote the story. I know, I now know that it is possible and that just helped me with the drive and, and the vision for Jobs for Women that we don't have to just say, you know, the, the old age saying, which really annoys me, can women have it all? Because it's like, no, can we have it all? It's not just about women. So I have never been more passionate about my vision for, and my mission for Jobs for Women, which is for women to have every career opportunity they deserve, for their will, well-being to be a priority, that they can have the successful career and a family if they want it, they don't have to. They can command the salary that is in line with what other men and women are being paid. It's not just about men and have the same leadership opportunities, regardless of age, religion, gender, sexual orientation or parental situation. So that is a whistle stop tour. I feel like, you know, I often talk about why I started Jobs for Women, but I feel like sharing real life stories helps get the message across. And the more we do events like this and share our stories the more we can make change at a grassroots level so on that note i am going to put it back out to well my next slide is our q a time so i'm going to stop sharing i'm going to pin our panel and we are going to get chatting so welcome um yasmin and emma it's incredible to have you all here so let's 
let's jump right in. So, Em, if we can start with you. Uh, we met, didn't we, um, at another panel, which was incredible. And I really resonated with all of the stories that you shared um, at that panel, um, which we'll hopefully get into. Um, I know you're so passionate about diversity, equality and inclusion. So do you want to just briefly share any personal experiences or insights relating to uh, to gender or race inclusivity or anything just to kickstart the panel? Sure. Hello. Uh, thanks for having me. It's also nice to see a bunch of familiar faces um, on this call. So hello, everyone. Um, yeah, I think for me, there's a couple of sort of, I don't want to say highlights because they're not exactly celebratory moments, um, but some things that really stick out for me. So um, to give a bit of context, I've now been in um, like digital and tech for around 13 years. I've been in product for five and that kind of path to leadership I think has had, I guess, lots of opportunities to see where these problems occur in tech. So um, if you're not familiar with a, a product manager role, um, often we kind of are the person that represents the business and also the, the end user or the customer. So we then um, will spend a lot of time with tech teams specifically, but then also, you know, kind of commercial leadership which is a whole interesting thing in itself. So like you really get a mixed bag of people um, that, that you work with. And I think for me, just seeing the same things over and over again, um, female developers constantly being referred to as juniors is, is totally a thing, for example. People kind of come into um, a, a sort of senior leadership team and saying, you know, we're, we're really behind because we've got too many juniors on the team. And we're referring to women who aren't even juniors. They just happen to be female developers. There's constant, you know, um, misrepresentation of, of women and this intersectionality as well, which we'll get into of race and social class of we had um, a bunch of interns join at, at one of the previous companies that I was at. And I heard two different people on separate occasions refer to them as underprivileged people who had been given a chance to get into tech when actually it just so happened that that segment of people were mostly people of color and people from working class backgrounds. There was no underprivileged element about it. It was a scheme that anybody could apply to. It was just that people made that assumption. So again, time and time again, these things, being in meetings where people expect you to take the notes as a woman, um, you know, especially male leadership, um, oh, can you just sort all those spreadsheets out? Can you prepare this presentation for me? Um, you know, always being the female members of the team and having to routinely point that out. Um, yeah, just loads of different sort of um, microaggressions like that along the way. And and also some kind of a, a little darker elements really with, with being a woman in these environments of having people just say the most insensitive things and inappropriate things um the, to come back to um conversations of pregnancy not not my personal experience um but again being in a room with people and colleagues who are pregnant and male members of staff saying the worst things that you just think why why would you do that um and feeling like can you speak can you not speak would that person want me to kind of back them up would they not you know all these things that i think we we carry as as women in this industry um, and the kind of mental fatigue sometimes and that hypervigilance that you find yourself having in, in meetings sometimes, the defensiveness, the protectiveness. Um, I mean, one um, particular example that I have is actually no two. I'll go with two because they're a similar theme is I um, when I first actually started in tech, um, I like I said, I'm from a working class background and I had no idea of the amount of travel that might be involved and having to kind of cover your own expenses especially when you're new right so you can claim things back but how about the bit where you you know have to pay the amount up front so some places you know will have like work booking systems but in this particular role I was still new I wasn't on the system and in my first week I had to go to a conference in Edinburgh so I had to do three nights in a hotel plus train I just couldn't do it didn't have a credit card um had no access to a credit card and uh, it just wasn't something that I could do. So I had to speak to my line manager. And when we got to the hotel as a huge group of us, um, 
and everybody's sort of checking in. He shouted across the full group and said, um, do you want to come over here, Em? I'm going to have to sort um, your stuff because obviously uh, I've had to cover you. And it was just this weird, awkward thing. Like, wh why? Why do you feel the need to do that? So that was one. And then another one was I was staying in a hotel again. That Such is the lifestyle <laughs> sometimes. Staying in a hotel. And one of my colleagues who I had a really good relationship with, who was a, a senior developer in my team, um, was messaging on WhatsApp. We all had a group. There was about five or six of us. And um, messaged me directly to say, would I like to go to his room and stay at his room that night? And so obviously for me, very shocked, a lot to deal with there. This was someone I worked really closely with. How would I handle it? Um, so I replied straight away, this is not okay, right? The next morning, he made the entire day so uncomfortable, was refusing to get involved in the presentation that I'd spent hours preparing, was really sort of obstructive, um, undermining. And then when we got back to the office, I um, was invited to a sort of a sit down mediation session that some other people had picked up on our relationship breaking down, which was the quote, um, and to all get together and discuss what we should do to to resolve it. Um, as if, <laughs> you know, it was like, what? What am I even doing with this? You know, that same line manager that I had, it was actually in the same role um, that kind of did what he did at that hotel, uh, was also the person that I had to go to to try and have some sort of support. So I had to confide in him what had happened. Um, and he was like, oh, boys will be boys. You know, just tell him you're not interested and that type of thing. So in, in that situation, I had to go to his boss, who happened to be a woman, um, and she actually joined that me mediation session. Um, but yeah, at no point was anyone, right, we might rethink this team. We might move this person off. It was all, how are you going to deal with this? How are you going to make this not uncomfortable for everyone else? Um, that is, I think everyone is sort of open mouth. That, that I'm, first of all, I'm so sorry that you went through that. Second of all, it makes me sort of worry that you know you were in a position to say this is not okay but there were a lot of you know younger younger women that wouldn't know how to handle that and it was subsequently handled very badly and then went into mediation um mm. that's yeah and and this is why we are having these conversations and when we work with the colleges um and universities it's like when I think back to my early career I was a bit of I, I said it on my podcast I was a yes woman I was like yes I'll do that yes yes I'll yeah. yes I'll work late and do that and yeah. it's kind of like I'm so passionate about empowering the next generation and us and every age to use their voice so I'm proud that you were able mm -hmm. to say uh, hell no um I thought it was interesting as well what you said about that um you know being on edge and like this this idea that almost like expecting you know like in a meeting space um or like being expected to like take the notes this keeps coming up time and time again and the and the assumption on being junior emma or yasmin have you got anything to share on that? yeah i think just sort of going back to what you said so again I, i've come from single parent background working class uh, first generation university students so a lot of what I do with my role is kind of focused on schools and early talent and grassroots talent and making sure that we're creating opportunities for people to come into the digital space and showcasing that and I'm sure we'll talk a bit more about that later but I think one of the things that keeps cropping up time and time again is not just about how junior women feel about escalating these conversations it's about how women who are potentially at our level feeling comfortable to escalate those conversations. I've spoken to so many women in, you know, in my industry, in, in different industries, who, if they've had a situation, they don't feel comfortable escalating because they don't think they're going to be heard. So they're like, oh, well, what's the point? And it goes back to that boys will be boys comment. And I think it's derived from as we've grown up, if you're a strong little girl you get called bossy but if it was a little boy it'd be classed as leadership skills and that's kind of been ingrained in us hasn't it from since we were very very young like I've always been called bossy and equally I don't mind being bossy because I am bossy right but there's there's that kind of barrier and perception piece and we're having to 
I think we're having to relearn a lot of stuff and re-educate ourselves in terms of like what's okay and going back to what you were saying when you were younger I was very much I'll work all the hours yes I'll do this yes I do that and I feel like as I've kind of grown in my career I've had to take a bit of a step back and go actually I need to get comfortable with saying no I've been in a meeting or in a couple of meetings before where there's been all women in there and a man has come in and spoke over everybody and everybody's been sat there and no one has challenged him and I've been like what on earth is going on and I did because I'm like I'm not going to sit here and sit by and let somebody speak like that in a meeting especially somebody who's senior I've had somebody in a meeting go like this to me in terms of like stop talking and I'm not the kind of person to say that and I'm not joking I sat there open mouthed and I escalated it at the time to my line manager and I think it's about feeling like we've got that support in these conversations and feeling comfortable enough in your own skin to be able to do that but like I said I think we're having to relearn a lot of stuff as women because of things that have been ingrained in us by society yeah and what I'm hearing you say as well is because because when we're talking about these experiences what I'm keen to do is find there's never going to be a magic wand solution but what can companies do like that situation it's having knowing as an as an employee that you are you that you're in a safe space that you're valued and that there's a process to go through and like M with your example it's kind of like the process was the guy that sent the inappropriate message to go to the hotel room and he was your line manager so it's so what do we think organizations need to be doing when people are experiencing being spoken over or made to or in M's case you know um attention that is that they don't want or whatever it is what can organizations do I think having really strong male advocates in the business not even not even just strong male advocates but I I think that helps I have been I have to say I've been incredibly lucky with managers that I've had who who are male if anything I think what we need to really focus on is if you have a female boss because I think that's where sometimes a lot of the problems can can come in um and I don't think we talk about that enough how it is just to interrupt you why do you think that is I think and I'm obviously not like this but I think we again in terms of that whole learning process as we've grown I think in business and as a woman sometimes as we've kind of moved through the times you have to be seen as a bit of a ball breaker to get to the top that's not always right I think you can obviously have any personality but let's be honest about it the women who tend to be at the top are probably perceived to be as aggressive or over emotional or quite I don't know scary so when you work for a woman it's always that we've been bred for that element of competition right because there's not as many of us at that level so that can cause problems in terms of well you don't what we should be doing obviously is lifting each other up not kind of trying to I I mentor right and I think it's really important to mentor and to have a mentor and to find that common ground because you know due to my background I want to make sure I'm creating that space for other people because I have a lot of women around me who have done the same for me and I think it's making sure you have that support but also being aware of what's like happening around you as well and I think there is something to be said about women in leadership roles as well and how they treat other women. Mm, I loved what you said as well about um, you know that that person putting their hand up it's like having that allyship and we did a webinar um, a while ago and, and a woman a lawyer shared her experience of like someone using derogatory language in a meeting yeah. and in a meeting you know a board meeting of like 30 people thinking I don't really want to do this but she called it out in that moment and it's kind of like that's the approach we I need you have to and I, I've got a friend who is also a lawyer and has told me something very similar for the off and I think it's it's about having people that will back you up in any situation and not being afraid of actually calling things out. And I, I do call things out, but I think sometimes in the moment you can be so shocked and you think that you will know what to do in that situation, but actually because you feel so 
shocked that that this is actually so happening and we're still having to have these conversations but I think it's feeling comfortable and confident enough to go to whoever it is so in in that situation I had I did um I did speak to my manager and let them know um and you know had conversations with other people around it it's it's like you feel like you have to sense check yourself sometimes even though you shouldn't have to because you know it's wrong but I think you always feel like you have to and until you've got that reassurance I think it's just making sure that you do have allies in the room or on the flip side you are the ally for those people and not being afraid to speak up because what's wrong is wrong right yeah a hundred percent and it's like when we the work we do with um in colleges and unis and eventually schools we did a focus group and and one of the young women who were very articulate very bright um they were all using their voice in the focus group but she we talked about like misogyny or experiences that you're not comfortable with at work and you know she put her hand up and she was like I wouldn't know how to deal with that and I would probably shut down and it just fuels my passion because I'm this is why I'm building the community because it it's like letting maybe the younger women know that it's okay to use a voice you use your voice and and stand up um yeah some great points there I want to jump into intersectionality um in the DNI space um, and I did a post actually on LinkedIn yesterday about it being the relationship between social categories, race, gender, disability, sexual orientation. We've already talked about like um, with M's example, you know, class level. I know for me when I got that job, my big break in London and I walked into the office at Warner Brothers and they were like, oh, hey, up oh, here she is. And I had it for the whole year, this thing about the accent. And I love now that, you know, we're seeing more accents coming through, like different accents on Radio 1 and everything like that. So looking at intersectionality, there's so much more. And Emma, I want to bring you in on this. Um, what has, Have you got had any experiences, you know, in not necessarily where you're working now or, you know, experiences of race, gender? Can you share any stories with us? Yeah, sure. So now I'm a I'm a VP at JP Morgan and I've been working in tech for many 15 years. But really it was the experiences I had at the start that were very formative. So born in London, lived here forever, but I'm ethnically Chinese and I'm on the autism spectrum. And I just remember it causing a lot of issues. So I, one huge example for me was my first job in an investment bank two women, like me one, one other, everyone else was a man. And I came into the office one day and one of the devs on the trade floor, you know, his morning salutation to me was, good morning, my slanty eyed whore. And I just remember the like crushing silence of all the keyboards stopping, everyone kind of looking up, but no one said anything. And I was 21, fresh from uni. So I was like, oh my God. And I didn't say anything. And then everyone just started going on their keyboard again, you know? And so that was very difficult. And when I did tell it to a manager, again, similar to Em's experience, the response is terrible. Like, and so far as I was brought into a room with that man and they said to me as a 21 year old, fresh out of school, do you want this to go to HR? Because if it does, like he will be fired and he has four children. And so all the onus was put on me. I didn't know HR existed. I didn't know that employee-led networks existed. I didn't even know HR as a concept. So really, it was very isolating because I had no one to talk to about it. I was too embarrassed to tell my friends and I didn't know any other women in the office. And because when I raised that issue and I had such a response after that, when all the behaviors got much, much worse, I definitely didn't raise anything else after that. And so I think to take it back to like a few original questions, you know, why is there the need and what can we do? I think that one example illustrates several things. I think one, all of these companies should be pushing networks, all of them, because I internalized all of this. I went around for nearly 10 years thinking, oh boy, all of this is my fault. What have I done to invite this? Like, what? And it was only when I joined Women in Tech 
And I told everyone and everyone around the table was like, what the? And I was like, aha, so this is not normal and it's not acceptable. So it showed really the value of having those networks and those communities like you're building here. Another one it shows is leadership. It has to be top down. They have to be invested in it. We have to be cutting out these middle managers who are just trying to squash everything, push it under the rug. And I think the other thing is as well, as everyone else has alluded to, like when you cannot find your own voice, you need those other people who will step in and be like, whoa, like that's not okay. Whether it be when it happens and sometimes it can't because everything's too fraught and you need to just de-escalate the situation and I think for me what would even have been helpful is someone afterwards coming up to me saying yo are you okay because that was terrible but there was there was none of that so there's so many different prongs that I feel like nowadays in tech it's very different and in the institution I'm in now again like we have all of these multifaceted approaches but there was none of it back then. And the companies I've been in on this journey, ugh, like it's so different. Some have these, some don't. It's just, you know, but there's a lot of different things that we, we could be doing to help people of all ages and all ranks. I am so I think I think collective there was a collective gasp on 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 the call then with that example. That's horrifying. And um, if if you had your time to come again or if that happened now you know obviously you internalized it which i'm so sorry and and when you said about you know someone just going are you okay and calling out the behavior that was not okay are you okay is like it it's awful if how would you respond to that comment now 15 well, years the thing on is, exactly now i'm 36 and i feel like oh i could handle it so differently and now given a do-over I would escalate 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 but I mean something happened to me recently where someone was on a call we were all in this group call I joined a new team someone was rustling something and the the product the product owner said who's making that rustling sound Emma is he playing with origami again and I was like oh come on and it just felt not big enough to like kick up a fuss over in front of this whole new team but it just goes to show that even as a 36 year old woman who's been through this time and time again sometimes you just you can't get the words yeah. out agree and i think one of the things I've, I've literally because of all these conversations i've just remembered things that have popped into my head and i'm like oh i don't think i can think of anything and i'm like oh my god yes i can um i'd started a new job a couple of years ago and i was the only person um, well, not only person in the office but it was kind of like a, um, a co-working space um and there was a guy and he was a bit like inappropriate and I'm quite I, again I'm quite bullshit so I'm a bit like yeah great you know I'll be nice but but again and just in terms of what one of the um guests has said I started like getting inappropriate messages on LinkedIn and I was just thinking this is so weird like inviting me for drinks saying stuff that he shouldn't be saying I just absolutely lost it one night and I just said you know I know you've got kids do you speak to all women like this this is totally inappropriate don't ever speak to me again in the office and then i felt bad about it because i'd i felt i don't know i felt like i'd overreacted but i know that i didn't and obviously he stayed away from me after that but it's not the point like if i was younger and a, a bit more vulnerable and didn't sort of you know I, I mean at first i'll admit i didn't really know how to approach it i just kind of ignored it and you know but then I did really like lose my temper and I was just like this is really inappropriate you can't be messaging me like this like you've got wife and kids this is like inappropriate and I think that's it's having the confidence to be able to say something but we shouldn't even be put in positions like that just because we're a woman and just because we you know it, it feels easy to not not attack us but it, it's 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 easy to do that and he avoided me ever since and too right as well but it's not the point is it we shouldn't even have to have those conversations no and it, but it's it's I still up, really and you know in reference to the, the the chat it's like you know women are very sexualized and you know there's the internet and you think of, I don't even want to start on the vein of Andrew Tate but it's like how do people not think that that is a problem and this is why 
nothing and I think we have to admit that nothing's changed and this if anything I feel like it's getting worse why do you think it's getting worse the internet I think is probably a lot to do with it social media I think kids have access to things that maybe we didn't have access to as we were younger um there seems to be no innocence or no respect or, or even teaching people what what boundaries are and you know how even how women speak to each other on the internet how people troll people it's like I thought we we're supposed to support each other the fear of you know putting yourself out there you can't you can't do that because everything is so unsafe and like you think of all these kids who you know are getting bullied online and you know it's just it's it's out of control isn't it really and I think it all kind of then it again it sort of internalizes and it builds and you're then dealing with a much bigger problem I mean it feeds into feeds into business and the workplace like and there's obviously there's probably something to do with like a generational thing as well but that shouldn't be an excuse because if you are in a business you have to move with the times you have to change and you have to embrace change that's and that is probably where a lot of the problem is in terms of right actually we have to consider you know diversity of thought and bringing new people in creates new ideas and some people just don't like that yeah and it's funny because when I started jobs for women and I would speak at events um every now and again a man would come up to me and say well what about the men and I was I always try to tweak what I was saying because this is not about excluding men. And when I run events like this, I want men to be part of the conversation. Yeah, they should be here. They need to be listening and learning. And I think this is part of the problem. They don't think that, and and I'm speaking very generalistically, and I shouldn't be because I've got some wonderful men in my life, including my husband. And I'm not just saying that because he can probably hear me, but he's very much, he he will come to every talk I do. He will, he will be there like, he gets it but also I think we've got a responsibility to educate our sons our nephews our godchildren in terms of what is right and what is not and I think there's this whole thing about well it's not all men but actually if you look at the stats in terms of you know domestic violence or whatever it is it, well it kind of is though it is yeah and I think yeah. it, the problem with you saying oh well it's not all men or the fact that you're not calling people out the men need to be calling people out in certain situations you know what would you do if somebody said this you'd have to say well I think there's a problem in terms of men feeling comfortable with what they should call out because the, it, it, it's been bred in society mm-hmm. that you can speak to women in a certain way yeah absolutely and then thinking about uh, intersectionality um I, d- I mean we might not have examples of like gender pay gap which is a huge subject that's a webinar all of its own but we know that there are significant differences in the hourly pay of different 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 ethnic minority groups um and when you get the microscope out and look gender it's it's magnified isn't it have you has anyone experienced anything relating to pay gap have you ever asked what what other people earn or anyone got any stories to share don't worry if not no i know that when uh, we did uh, a webinar um what what came collectively as our group was was that it's okay to ask and again back going back to my london days i remember when uh, when I went for an interview, it was, you know, like a, in their head, it was like a lateral move. But to me, it was like a step up and I wanted more money. And I remember sitting there and them asking my salary and I told them what salary I was on. And then they said, OK, well, we'll just give you the same. And I remember thinking, I want more. I want more. I want more. And I just didn't say it. And again, if I had my time to come again and, and what we're doing in the community is it's like, know what you're worth, do your research, have your reasons, um, but also ask what is. that guy that woman you know it's not just about the men it's like what are they earning and that's how we can combat you know if if the pay as we know from the data there was a pwc report that um women earn less obviously we know um but then when it comes into into race it becomes a whole different i mean it's so sad isn't it we you feel like you're talking about the same thing over and over but again like i keep saying we need to have the conversations 
And I think, um, um, isn't, yeah, there like, isn't there some data around the fact that we work for free for three months of the year? Yeah, it's from And I think I, I've always asked for what I want or what I feel like I deserve because I think that's important. But, you know, that there have been times in, in my earlier career when I know I was severely underpaid and I was doing a lot of work. And I think we've been you know we feel like we have to justify ourselves all the time well why are we why are we asking for more why do we feel we want more I think there's a LinkedIn study as well that says that women will only go for a job if they meet 60% of the requirements on the job description but actually men if if men won't men no it might be the other way around they will only 90, go 90% yes, 90 yeah. of women will go for a job it, or if they meet 99% of the criteria but men will it'll, it's like around 60% or something so it's like we're ruling ourselves out because we think that we can't we can't do it but equally there's been jobs that I haven't been considered for that I've matched all of the requirements so it's like how do you balance it out mm -hmm. yeah the recruitment process is interesting and Em I'm going to jump over to you because I remember when we met you had some great ideas about you know I think tech companies can they're missing out on great talent if they don't make the recruitment process easier can you share any experiences that you've had um, when applying for jobs yes I also had another point as well linked to that so um yeah the first bit being to come back to that kind of linkedin study is why we make job adverts and job applications so plentiful and oh wow like look at all these great benefits and stuff that we have but they're not really thinking about the human at the other end that might be the best fit for the company if you want to stop high turnover if you want to make sure that the person that you're recruiting is the best for that role speak to them on a human level tell them exactly what it is you're after don't say things like we would like 17 degrees ideally don't say it like <laughs> what is the what is the minimum open it up to as many people as possible let them come to you and, and open a conversation up i think we a massive flaw that we have in our industry is putting giant walls up a big thing for example like in especially in the earlier days of tech was um a degree you had to have a degree for any role so many companies didn't even question it they just put it on there you need a degree why there's great apprenticeship schemes there's huge like internships there's all kinds of stuff there's people getting into tech later in life like who may not even have any gcses like that have come around and put loads of extra work in and are a great asset to a company who don't even get a look in so that's something i feel very passionate about <laughs> um the other thing that i was going to say as well about when people are um underpaid chronically awful problems gender pay gap etc everything but also and uh, emma and i have actually spoke about this before is the amount of work that women typically do on the job that is also not covered so think about you know coming back to them secretarial style roles oh can you organize a social for us please can you plan an away day can you um you know teach us all how to be better allies <laughs> Like, sure, where's my compensation for that, right? The amount of extra hours and, and things that we put in, typically women, um, as opposed to male colleagues, is another thing to call out as well. Because you could be sat with people on the exact same um, kind of job band as you. You could be right at that bottom of the job band and you're doing all the extra work that they're not doing to make the team a better place. It's crazy. It is crazy. Why, do, why are we doing it then, do you think? I think it's because we, again, it's hard to, to generalize, right? I'm not trying to be in the sort of um, male, female, like there's all genders, there's everything going on in the mix. I don't think it's as, as a binary as that. But I think when you feel it's the right thing to do, often you will do it, right? Um, we hear lots of things with people saying, oh, culture, like if we address culture, cultures in, in my experience is leadership it's almost like oh culture okay if you want to do something about that you go ahead and do that thing in your sort of in your own time or do it for the team but what i really want the the staff to be doing is to hit the targets right so it's almost this extra thing it's not seen in the same way so there's that but then also um as yasmin mentioned um similar i am a mentor i spend a lot of time um doing lots of different community um 
project work, lots of mentoring, because it's important to me to look at that pipeline, to let people know that they can see themselves in this industry. Tech completely changed the trajectory of my, trajectory of my whole life, right? I grew up in a house where my dad couldn't read or write. He left school at 13. There was nobody to help me with homework. I failed a bunch of my GCSEs. I didn't see myself being in leadership in tech. It's crazy. I bought a house. Who, what? You could buy a house? That's crazy, <laughs> right? So I want people to know that that can be their life. And yeah. there's one of the networks that that I've actually just trained to, to kind of do uh, the next cohort with is, of mentoring is the Girls Network. And their motto is you can't be what you can't see. And that's so important, right? And and I feel like even if nobody's paying me extra, I want to do that. I want to make things better for people. I want to help people. To Yasmin's point as well, I want to lift people up. So that that's the conflicting thing sometimes. Yeah, some great points there. And it, it's interesting, isn't it? How um yeah, when you can't when you can't see it. It's like for me, when I was in my early stages in London, I was like, oh, okay, all men at the top. Okay, okay, well, how am I gonna fit into this? And I just couldn't see it. I just want to jump back one stage, um, Emma, when we were talking about your experiences. What I don't think I managed to get out, which I, I really want to ask is, those awful situations that you experienced, how can companies stop that happening? I know there isn't just a one answer, but how are we going to stop people having these experiences in the workplace? I've seen companies try a lot of different things. And so, like, one of the big ones for me is like eliminating tokenism because that does my head in right they're like oh we brought you into this team and then i'm the only woman or i'm the only not white person and it's so isolating and you just feel a bit more confident when there's a bit more of you on the team and so again to that end with regards to the recruitment process for example we will not start interviewing people until we've got good male and female candidates like we just will not start and if we use recruiters we tell them go and find more cvs and they'll always say no no, no we can't find more and we're like well this will not start until you do find more and you know where i am now is incredibly diverse like i've never been somewhere where there's like east asian mds again like i just there's this it, it's difficult being one of these like underrepresented groups because you have to just put up with like a lot of stereotypes so you know women emotional or bossy and east asian it's like oh you're a good worker but not a good leader and it just completely smashes all of that when we have MDs with ADHD or who are bipolar or who are also autistic. And it just encourages you to speak up. And I think, again, it encourages you when you're working in tech teams. Like, for example, if you're working agile, there's just ways to promote a really good culture. Like maybe you have a retrospective when everyone can start piling in on what like didn't work so well no one takes it offensively like egos at the door but you also learn so much more about your colleagues and then you feel like you want to stand up for them and again some of these examples about you know emma will you take the minutes and i'm like no because it's not my meeting but then i see them walking over to another woman and i'm like no don't ask her either but one of the great things our male allies do is they step in without being asked and they're like, we'll do the minutes. It's like, it's fine. So just a lot of different things, bottom up, top down, recruitment. Yeah. And when you say, when you say the male allies, have they almost identified, is that just unofficial or have they identified themselves as that? Is that talked about? Interesting. In the company I'm at, no, it's almost like in, in this tech division, the women almost outnumber the men in our team. It's pretty crazy. Um, but in other divisions, we have like a lot of men turning up to meetings and just shutting up because they know they need to listen. And then they'll like ask questions or do something after. So, I mean, we see them, we see them at those meetings. We see them standing up for people. And whether they say it or not, they're like, they're really acting like an ally. That is awesome. Like on one of those like bobbing dogs, I've just been going, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> like, this is what we need. Like all, all, all that people need to do 
is listen that's all it is if you want to have it if you want to strip it back to as simple as that what do companies need to do they need to listen they need to hear they need to see it's like we've you know luckily for you know most of us we've got we've got the basics to be able to do those things listen to what your people are saying hear what your people are saying then take action, like include the right people if you don't understand, ask questions if you don't understand, but do it in a mindful way. Like, and I feel like we've got, we do a lot of really great stuff to make sure that we, I guess, are thinking of all of these different facets. We have a Black Heritage Talent Programme, we've got a women in tech program that if people come in we convert if they do well we convert them to next year's graduate program we've run um an initiative um called it's her future which kind of brings together all of the women in the firm and has an internal mentoring scheme but also we do something called it's her future juniors where we bring um we bring a 15 year old girls in from like you know less socially mobile schools so they can come in and learn what it's like to work here and hear from real people and um i've just started something in the last year um called kids code um so we're running it on saturday and we've got 55 children coming up and it's like it's hot but i kicked it off last leeds digital festival because i'm also um a school governor and like i said i'm really kind of passionate about ensuring that people have access to education and we're sort of educating parents as well because that's again where it all starts if you don't have a parent that works in this industry how are you going to explain to your children and what the roles are going to be like in 10 years like particularly with ai coming in and everything so everything's going to change right again so we have to be prepared for that and it's like if we're not willing to do something about it how can we start like how can we complain that there are no there's no pipeline if we're not willing to do something about it so um we run this session for children of like eight years and above and it can be anything through to 14 and they literally come and learn for a couple of hours on like computers they learn how to build a cake out of python and so it makes tech fun and the parent the parents really enjoy it but it goes back to making sure that you're breaking down those barriers for people so that they can come in and say oh, i get that now like i really get it and it's not it's kind of for the parents and the kids as well but I, that's why i think yeah oh elizabeth definitely this is it i'm really passionate about making Making sure we can change the curriculum but it's not kind of an easy thing we had a girl come in who was 15 and she said I'm the only girl on my I'm the only girl on my IT course like I love it but I'm, I'm the only girl and even at secondary if not everybody takes if, if no one kind of opts for IT which we should just not call it because it probably puts people off then they drop it so it's like where's the pathway in like what can we do and that's kind of why I really kind of drive all this stuff because I'm not saying everybody has to go into tech but every role is digital there needs to be yeah. some element of digital literacy and digital fluency because if not like we that's our whole future workforce right I feel like there's so like it's it's that power is knowledge thing and I remember Em and I spoke about this on the podcast it's like knowing what is out there so for me my careers team at school were not very good and it's kind of like then it was just that that was it it's like what do you like up English and and I didn't know like this world of opportunity and now it's tenfold since I was at school so it's like all of these experiences that you are all sharing today it's like how can we get that out to the masses, to the younger women, to the different different ethnic minority groups, to whoever it is, whatever gender, the the scope and the possibilities are endless. Like all that work you're doing, the outreach um, with schools and unis, Yasmin is 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 amazing. Um, what are we all doing? So uh, we're all on this panel. We're all passionate about this. What do you do in your job to change the market? To push to to change? You know what's happening in the dni landscape i'll put it out to the floor anyone any takers i think for me it's always been about kind of doing that stuff focusing on grassroots and i'm also so i'm a school governor in my spare time i always say i have spare time i have no spare time that's a lie my husband's like if you take on one more thing we're gonna have to have words um so i'm a school governor and i'm responsible for people premium which is kind of free school meals and i like to see how it correlates in terms of the data in terms of 
behaviours and making sure that they're being looked after and they've got access. Um, I'm also a board member at WILD. I don't know if any of you have heard of WILD. Um, so again, like a social inclusion initiative, kind of giving opportunities for peoples in tech and showcasing things like that. So I do, and, and I try to speak at as many events as possible and give as much time as possible and also supporting you know, younger women in, internally and giving them that sounding board because, you know, I've had a couple of, I've also got a mentee, she, well, two mentees, they've both got promotions in the last year, like they've both, they're both absolutely flying. And for me, that's really what makes the difference. It's not about how far I can get, it's about how far I can get other people to go and to push themselves. Yeah, and I've noticed as well when I do, when I speak to sort of more senior women that are, that are you know flying through their career they're so keen to give back and i just love it because it's like we you know lifting each other up dropping the ladder down emma what are you doing in 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 your organization well i normally try and rotate around the different networks as well so when i was very young it was women in tech the company before this one it was the race one and at my current organization i'm trying to find out more about disabilities visible and otherwise and it's just been a different thing in each of uh, the institutions i've worked at i've just been lucky that you join one and they let you push it as far as you want or need to so in the first one it was very basic we had to like persuade the higher ups that there was a problem so we launched the first bankwide gender diversity survey and the stuff that fell out of, of that just purely showed them it was not up for debate there were issues everywhere so you know it, it really ranges from even that basic stuff that i really feel like we should not have to still be doing trying to persuade people that there is a problem to then other networks um speaking a lot setting new initiatives inside the bank that people have to follow so there are processes and that people know about them like that huge range but for me i really do like trying different networks because like you just don't know what you don't know sometimes and so sometimes you really just have to go and meet people that don't look like you don't think like you and realize that also you are sometimes part of the problem and also have a lot of learning and listening to do Oh, I love that. That's like the best soundbite ever. I've just recorded a podcast with my friend who is disabled and it was eye-opening for me and I want to really explore that. So I'm glad you brought that up. And Em, I know you're doing mentorship and stuff. What have you got going on? Yeah, so similar things. I am a, a frequenter of several groups. <laughs> I like to always be learning um, and seeing if... Um, yeah, if I can actually help in any way. I think for me, it's about having like really human conversations. So sometimes a lot of it can be very um, like policies and we need to do this thing. And the, the thing that I always try and do is just be, who are you trying to talk to, right? What What is it we actually want here? We've got that awkward thing of sometimes the groups are very much controlled by the organization and may not realize the depths of where they need to go so i think there's something there i, I very much like to get involved in those difficult conversations sometimes um and also again like we've all said kind of calling out um where where we need to call things out i think that's the biggie so um the stuff that i mentioned before about having the same people organizing socials the same people taking notes um, you know, people who get involved in these networks on the team, everybody on that team looks to them to then, do you want to just prepare a thing on uh, uh, this particular issue? <laughs> it's like, no. So, yeah, I think that that's really important. Using your voice in, in the best way to acknowledge the fact that an organisation is an organisation. It's not a human being. It's the human beings inside yeah. it that need to make that change. Exactly. Um, and, you know, the, the point that you made, Zoe, as well, really early on, is those like middle managers sometimes that squash stuff. What can we do about that? That's the problem we all face. 360 feedback, where's that? <laughs> That's yeah. the big one. Yeah, and Steph in the comments said, relating to an earlier point about the presumption around people being underprivileged, purely based on their identity. I've been asked to collect and submit data for a sustainability tool which reports on the number of vulnerable people in the business, which is essentially anyone who isn't white, straight, neurotypical, male and without disability. I don't agree with this and have mentioned that it doesn't sit well as I don't feel vulnerable. Have we got any thoughts on that? Yeah, initial outrage, I think. Um, hi, Steph, by the way. Um, 
so are we is this saying that if if i was considered in this report am i vulnerable because i'm a woman like that is not building the right um narrative for us immediately it's building the wrong narrative so if i think you've, you've done the right thing by saying that you're not comfortable i wouldn't be comfortable with that and kind of it's putting us and i think there you're putting people in boxes that they don't need to be put in you can't just assume that because somebody's from a minority background or you know a, a more socially mobile background that it means that they're vulnerable like that's just not necessarily true and i think again it's breaking down those stereotypes and challenging that you know how also how do you know that you know a white cis male hasn't come from a vulnerable background just because someone's disabled that doesn't mean you can class them as vulnerable like that's just not right at all i don't know if anybody disagrees but that's my stance that, yeah and i think it's great that you it's that pushback isn't it when something doesn't sit right it's like back to the usual voice we have to wrap up we've gone three minutes over um i mean i could we could keep talking we could make a cuppa couldn't we and just sit here all day and put the world to rights I am so honoured that you've given your time. Um, I'm speaking to the panel. I'm speaking to all of you as well, but I think it was so insightful. Some shocking moments, heartbreaking moments, but a lot of positivity in terms of what we're going to do to be the change. So thank you. Thank you so much um, to the panel. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. Um, I've put a, I'm putting a link in. Join the free women's community. Um, it's free we're building our group so we're going to have women in tech we're going to have menopause we're going to have everything in there and that's where if you want to be a mentor at jobs for women you can give some time um it's growing it's exciting and i want you to be part of it because we need to be the voice of change don't we? So if you have questions you can drop them in the chat otherwise i'll send um the recording out and um yeah any other info that you might need so thank you so much and enjoy thank the rest you, of the day